Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Lucas Vogelsang. He's the CEO and co-founder at Centrifuge. Lucas, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Centrifuge is actually really fascinating and cool. And I think one of the biggest changes probably in... Well, I know like cryptocurrency has been around for, for a while now, but I think it's really becoming more and more kind of mainstream and popular. And I think it's going to be a huge revolution. But maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. So I grew up in Switzerland, in Zurich, to be precise. Very cool. Um, Maybe you will hear a little bit of a Swiss accent. I have an American dad, but uh, yeah, I spent most of my childhood there. Very cool. So you went to university. What did you take and why? <laughs> good, good, good story. Um, I really got into computers already way before I went to university. I spent uh, most of my teens hacking on, oh, I use hacking in, in the term of like just playing around with computers. Uh, and programming and, okay very uh, cool so, so did I, you teach yourself programming then sorry to interrupt you yeah i did yes yeah i did um i really was coding i was i was basically running a small web design agency for uh, my parents friends and sort of an ever-growing network uh in high school and helped if any kind of technical problems or computer problems and it was just like coding and also contributing to some open source projects back then and so when I when it was time to go to university, I was like, actually, I want to work and I just want to keep doing what I want, what I do, but maybe I should get um, get a university education, not because I don't know how to code or don't know what I want to do, but really at the time I was like, I didn't want to build a, an agency business because if you're sort of selling your time, uh, that's usually not that scalable. And I wanted to sort of learn a bit more. Um, and I, I went and I studied uh, computer science and economics in Zurich for half for uh, uh, here comes the next good funny fact I studied I went to university for about half a year before I uh, dropped out again and started to start up together with uh, with a couple of friends that turned out to be uh, so successful that I had no desire to go back to university. Um, and uh, that was actually an e-commerce business. Uh, that we uh, grew to um, uh, 150 people, um, sort of wow. becoming quite successful in Switzerland. Uh, it was at the time that Groupon and a lot of like sort of this wave of innovation in, in uh, e-commerce came. And so that was sort of my first real entrepreneur, entrepreneurial experience. Very cool. So walk us through the rest of your career to coming up with the idea and co-founding Centrifuge? Yeah, so, um, so I mean, my career sort of, you could say, started out with starting this e-commerce company and like being on, on like the most consumer 
like if you think of a spectrum of like consumer to enterprise or like consumer to business, sort of on the very left end of the spectrum, right? And and uh, sort of after this this first business, um, after this first exit, we I, I decided to go and sort of leave Switzerland for a while, and I actually uh, moved first to Berlin and then to the U.S. And my career sort of gradually became more and more B two B, and in the end, finance focused. Uh, I I first uh, worked at a company that was doing uh, re advertising for uh, brick and mortar stores. Uh, that was just helping them sort of do their international expansion. I then actually tried to started a second startup that uh, was was not a success, um, and and sort of that was then in in Silicon Valley and where I spent uh, about six years working uh, in Silicon Valley in different tech companies. And actually, most recently, before I uh, started Centrifuge, I was uh, working at Talia. Talia is a, a supply chain finance company, a fintech that built finance software for uh, the largest businesses and some of the smallest businesses in the world. We worked with uh, Coca-Cola and Toyota to help to bring supply, uh, financing programs to their entire network of suppliers, which could be a tiny two-person company or another multinational corporation. And the reason I'm, I'm going in so much detail here is because that was actually a big part of uh, my experience that uh, turned uh, or sort of was a triggering uh, trigger event for, for why I decided to then go and start Centrifuge. Okay. So how did you come up with the idea and what exactly is Centrifuge? Yeah, so this was in 2017, and and as I just mentioned, I sort of worked at uh, Talia together with my uh, what came to be my co-founders at Centrifuge, uh, where we built this financial software, and I sort of I learned what it what it's really like to be a business and try to get access to money to get to borrow money, and how different that experience is for a small company and for a large multinational. We also saw sort of just how this B2B world works and how businesses really interacted with each other. And that was a, that experience sort of said, okay, well, actually um, now crypto's on, on the scenes and people are starting to think about how we use this technology called blockchain for solving all sorts of issues. And, and I obviously saw and learned about a lot of issues in this in this world that I used to be in. And, and so actually my co-founders and I just went and said, okay, let's let's try to see what we can we can do with it. And that was uh, about three years ago. Um, and and sort of we saw how um, this this ICO boom, so this uh, back in 2017, a lot of projects started creating tokens and sort of built these networks for all sorts of transactions sort of using blockchains uh, for much more than just moving money around. And we wanted to explore how we could solve problems that businesses faced when they were trying to borrow money um, and sort of kept iterating on that. Very cool. So how has it evolved to what it is today? Yeah, so Centrifuge was maybe at the time a bit too early, but today actually spot on and what we're trying to do in this world that is called DeFi. Um, Centrifuge tried to solve the problem of giving people access to capital that needed it and giving it to people that uh, 
needed it no matter the size, right? Our, our today's financial infrastructure is very efficient for the largest companies in the world. If you're a Google or an Apple, you can go and issue bonds on the market and get the cheapest uh, price possible, which puts you at a huge advantage. If you're a small business, your uh, access to capital is mostly just, well, you can go to your bank and you can ask them for a loan. Uh, your bank is a gigantic organization that has a set of rules. And if you don't fit into one of these predefined boxes, well, then you're out of luck in trying to get capital. And even if you do, your cost of capital is going to be so much higher. And actually, for no reason, if you look at uh, cost of capital, right, it should reflect the risk that it, it that, uh, that you take when you lend this person money. Um, and if you look at, at interest rates at the very large end of the market, those are very cheap and much cheaper compared to the uh, chance of default than if you look at the very small end. And that is because banks have become fat. They've started having in inefficient processes without really a, a motivation to make those more efficient. And so DeFi and crypto, I think it was a lot about transparency and openness, which results in, uh, in having a system that doesn't have room for this, what I call fat, right? Um, so there's no room for these middlemen, these intermediaries to take, uh, to take any unnecessary fees. And so if we think about how this, uh, created this crazy ecosystem with different crypto native tokens uh, that you hear about in the news all the time. And you might, you see that going, going crazy in, in prices and all of this sort of activity. Um, well, they, these, these tokens, they profit from this uh, decentralized finance, this financial system. Um, but actually this, this benefit that I just talked about can actually also be very useful for the borrowers that I just talked about, the smaller businesses really everyone in the world. And so what Centrifuge has sort of turned into is a way for these businesses actually to tap into this opportunity. So sort of to take a very high level explanation um, and give you a concrete example of this, um, uh, a company that is, for example, giving out mortgages, uh, they can now use the liquidity the, that exists in DeFi to originate these loans at a cost that is lower at uh, at much faster speed thus giving giving them the ability to compete in the long run hopefully with some of these larger banks very cool so and defi is uh stands for decentralized finance correct yes so the, so uh, so yeah. oh go ahead sorry uh, maybe just sort of to 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 talk about the origin of defi um, in 2017, we had all these tokens coming up, um, but we didn't have a financial system to do something with these tokens. And so I think in summer of 2018, for the first time, people started building uh, core financial tools. So lending and uh, exchange, automated exchanges on chain, on, on Ethereum, in, in smart contracts that would allow for these tokens actually to get uh, get a market to sort of starting to be used. And so DeFi is what we now call this, this financial infrastructure that is, is sort of built for tokens in a completely open and decentralized way. Sure. So I want to get your thoughts and opinion around, like, where do you see people's comfort level with this new way to look at 
basically like a global currency or multiple global currencies and then being able to borrow and lend um money around around this and and real whether it's physical or digital or kind of both where do you think people's comfort level and and where are we kind of at with that i think we're we're still at the very very beginning right um DeFi and crypto overall is just fundamentally different in, in a lot of ways. Um, sure. I think the same way that people had to figure out how to use the internet and how to make it user-friendly, how to solve all these challenges. Uh, and, and that took it from like a research network in the, in the eighties, um, to like a, a network where you could buy books, uh, in the nineties maybe. And then suddenly like in the two thousands, it was everywhere. Um, and, and I think. Right. So this was an this was a 30 year process. I hope with crypto, we're, we're not quite uh, going to be as slow, but uh, in the same way, we have a huge uh, challenge ahead of us of actually making the tooling better, making it easier to use, scaling it more uh, so that uh, it will go from today being something very niche, something used for high risk sort of speculation of users that are very fairly sophisticated and maybe spent a lot of times time getting into this and sort of understanding it to a point where now everyone can use it without uh, having to have a computer science degree uh, or being some academic, uh, which is what you, what was the target audience of the internet in the very beginning, right? No, that, that makes total sense. So I want you to give some maybe real world use cases or some success stories that you've seen I think that'll really give people a good understanding of of how they can use um, centrifuge and uh, crypto and other kind of decentralized assets. So yeah, so I think if you look into Ethereum and the Ethereum ecosystem, uh, what you see is a a financial system actually that has almost no barrier of entry. And what does that mean? It means as a, you can launch a token. Uh, that uh, has maybe a couple of hundred thousand dollars in value, yet you get all of these benefits that you maybe would only be able to get if you were a publicly traded company um, on the stock market, right? right. Uh, uh, Uniswap is a decentralized exchange. It's, it is like, it replaces what sort of in a traditional financial world is a stock market. It allows you for people to trade tokens. The key difference here is that you don't have a several million dollar costly IPO that you need to go through to be able to list on Uniswap. Actually, there's it's completely free and anyone can do it and no one can control what assets get listed. And so as long as there's another person willing to buy your asset uh, or to trade with you, uh, that, that trade can happen. And so sort of they've just completely eradicated these barriers. Um, in the same way, we have uh, uh, on-chain money markets or lending protocols where people can now borrow one one. Uh, cryptocurrency by depositing collateral in another that is just done completely without intermediaries and sort of these without having to go to a bank and get a loan right you can now borrow money and that's something right. that's just just so different so so much so much more fluid more uh, quicker to sort of build in this e ecosystem that opens it up to a lot of use cases what centrifuge is doing actually um, is we're trying to allow users who don't have crypto today to use this, right? Because the fact is 
unless you were one of the uh, lucky nerds who were uh, very early in crypto because they liked the technical challenge or found, found out about some scientific paper that they then read and sort of started understanding most of your assets are in traditional assets. You own your house, you have your bank account, you have your salary, maybe your car. As a business, you have your revenue. You don't have crypto, um, but what you really want as a business, uh, you don't want to like speculate with these crypto assets and try to try to strike it lucky, but you want to maybe access a line of credit so you can buy new equipment to grow your business. Or as a homeowner, you might want to renovate your house and therefore you need uh, a liquidity or capital for that. And so what Centrifuge is doing is we're, we're allowing users to bring these real world assets, what we call them, into this DeFi ecosystem by and to allow them for these people to get liquidity that they otherwise wouldn't be able to get to and start working using this new financial system. Very cool. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on how people can actually use Centrifuge to, um, well, NFTs have been kind of all over the news lately. How do you guys or developers use Centrifuge with uh, NFTs? So if you think about these real world assets, right? I talked about a house or like revenue from the business. Um, or maybe I should first explain what an NFT is actually. Sure, um, yeah. So an NFT is a, is a non-fungible token. So we have uh, cryptocurrencies, fungible tokens, which function, which are very much like a currency uh, divisible. So I can send you half a token, I can send you one token, I can send you 10 tokens. And that's just the amount of value that you get to, for the amount of that currency. Uh, Non-fungible tokens, they function much more like a serial number or like a, a proof of ownership of some object, right? So I can give you this NFT that represents uh, some piece of art, digital art that is some digital art or that is a, a character in a game, in, in a digital game. Or in, in our case, it could be a, a title to a house. And so if I then transfer that NFT, I can transfer ownership over this house or this, this, uh, this character in the game, this piece of art. Um, and it's, this is enforced by the blockchain. And so I, we can trade these assets. And um, so when, when, uh, when you think about these real world assets uh, that we deal with, um, a house is different than another house, right? Like my, my neighbor's house and your and, and my house, they're not interchangeable, so they're not fungible. And so the sort of the immediately what you think of when you think of bringing these assets on chain, uh, you think of non-fungible tokens. So for Centrifuge, every asset that exists out there in the real world is an NFT, that is something that can be turned into an NFT so that it can then be used in, in this DeFi ecosystem. And so we allow these users to then to take their assets, turn them into NFTs, and then deposit them into pools so that they can borrow against these NFTs. So you can think of it when I go to a bank and I give them the title to my house um, and then I can borrow money, uh, I can do the same thing with Centrifuge. I can, uh, an asset originator can take a, a house, they can turn this into an NFT, they use that NFT to then borrow money against a certain pool. So in, in, uh, you put it into this pool where investors pool capital, so liquidity, uh, that then these asset originators can draw from by depositing these, these NFTs. Very cool. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on um, 
because Ethereum's probably what the the second most popular uh, cryptocurrency. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it it depends by what it met what you measure it actually um, by market capital, which is the value of the total currency. It is number two. Um, I think by the number of people building in it and using it and people that are paying transaction fees to use it. So the throughput, it's probably number one actually, uh, because Bitcoin is just a lot slower and um, much only used for sort of moving, moving money around, right? All this smart contract stuff that I talked about, this is an innovation that came on Ethereum that sort of um, in some ways, I think in my opinion, uh, is, is a huge benefit that, that Bitcoin doesn't have. Yeah, and no, I, I'm glad you you put it like that because my my next question to you is is around, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. Is Ethereum you can build in, um, like simple, kind of uh, like me and you could have a bet, for example, and we could say like it's hundred dollars, and it's like if my sports team wins or your sp sports team wins, it pays the winner that hundred dollars, right? And so. You yeah. can't do that with Bitcoin, but you can do that with Ethereum and a, and a bunch of other kind of like logic based things and, and little programs inside of uh, like a transaction. Is that fair to say? Yeah, so Bitcoin has some logic that you can use and there's uh, and, and there's definitely um, certain things you can do with it. Uh, the key difference is that, and that's just sort of was the tagline of Ethereum is that it's the world computer. You can really, you can create these smart contracts that are effectively programs that are able to control how money moves. And that is, I think is really a key component of DeFi and just blockchains in general is that uh, if it's just about moving money without any logic attached around, um, you don't gain a lot. Actually, it gets really exciting in, in your example of the bet actually you can build a smart contract that will determine whether I've won or you won. And we both know that this contract is going to pay out whoever is the winner. And so we don't need to worry about settling this transaction in the end because that the contract does that for us. And we don't need to trust some third party. We don't need to uh, use, uh, use something in the middle. And that's really the powerful thing because now both of us are able to trust this contract because we can verify what it does. Well, and like when I first learned about that, to me, that could settle so many lawsuits or, or in the sense that maybe there, there won't be as many lawsuits if you basically both agree on something, it's tied up until one, that condition is met and then we're going to get, one of us is going to get paid out, right? And sure, you could maybe battle it out after, but in a lot of cases, it's like if you both agree and you both looked at the code or maybe you both even wrote some of the code that there, you can't really argue with that, right? Or, or what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, if you take this a little bit further, um, if you, it would be inc incredibly hard to create a Ponzi scheme on chain because you can actually like see where the money's flowing and what the contract is doing. And if you claim to have X million dollars in assets, um, you can actually, you, you can verify that on chain. And so if, if, if that contract actually doesn't have these assets as it claims it does, then uh, of course you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't want to invest. And so sort of in a way it does, it does protect from a lot of these things. The downside of this is that, um, well, if you make a mistake in these contracts, then there's nothing that can save you. 
um, because right. these contracts are going to hold your tokens hostage for the for the rest of time. And so it's uh, you get um, you get obviously um, a lot more. You have to get a lot more sophisticated in writing these programs so that you don't have bugs. Uh, because now your contracts will be immutable and and sort of this trust is is in the code as opposed to the the people the conventions around it right okay um how can you use centrifuge to actually exchange documents privately yeah so um to bring these real world assets on chain, we had to build a lot of the infrastructure around it. Because of course, if you think about a house being used as collateral somewhere, the address might be public and there's some other details that are public about it that you can find on Zillow, for example. But uh, all of the financial documentation, proving your income or proving your credit worthiness, uh, it's something that you have to keep private. So you don't want to put that on chain. Uh, what you want to do instead is you want to share it with the people that might need to review it, uh, an investor that wants to invest in a pool might want to do due diligence on the different assets that are in this pool. And so uh, one of the components of Centrifuge is this way to, <clears throat> trans in, to send data around that you can verify is tied to the asset that exists on chain. So we have this NFT that represents the asset and we have some off-chain data that is tied to this NFT that is not, that is not visible to anyone unless you send it to them. Yet through using cryptography, you can actually verify that the data you receive really belongs to this NFT and has not been modified. And so that <clears throat> makes it very hard to falsify documents. It allows you to have sort of a, a, a way to put the data that can be public on chain, but the data that needs to be uh, private can stay off chain. Very cool. So if there's developers listening out there, how do they get started and, and what can you maybe give to them or advice for actually getting Centrifuge into, you know, their day-to-day -day or, or their applications or, or something else they're working on? So all of our code is open source. Um, okay. That means you can go to GitHub, look for the Centrifuge uh, organization and you can see everything that we're building um this we do this because of course we were we're hoping that people will build on it and that people will look at it find find things to improve and help us improve it um so that, that's that's where i would start uh in addition there's actually a lot you can build on top of centrifuge the the tokens so when when um investors invest in these assets they get tokens that represent shares in this pool. Uh, these tokens can, are like any other ERC-20 token, uh, used, can be used to transfer, they can be used as collateral, they can be used in different uh, other DeFi protocols. And so that's something that you can start building on. You can use those tokens to come up with a savings account, or you could use it, you could try to build some sort of way to exchange them on top of Centrifuge. You can integrate them with others, other protocols. And that's, I think, a, a really interesting thing that is actually very integral to DeFi. I think it's, it's uh, DeFi works by many different projects cooperating and standardizing around these assets so that you can move from an exchange to a money market to a different lending protocol 
with the same asset and no matter what it is, as long as it implements the CRC20 standard, uh, you're able to use it. And I think that is a very exciting uh, feature of it. Very cool. And then how do you guys monetize the platform? So crypto business models, I think are very complicated to, to explain, but I'll, I'll, I'll do sure. my best sort of to give a very high level explanation. Um, so we we're not a we're not a company that hopes to list its shares on an exchange on a on a on a public market or we we're not trying to get acquired by by a, one of the big tech companies. Uh, what we're building is we're building this network, and this network has a token that people use to pay transaction fees. So it is a utility token that uh, people use. This utility token is paid to. Uh, different members of the network that are doing work in this network. So validating transactions, uh, sort of contributing to the function of the network, uh, like all sorts of, of different uh, tasks. And so as Centrifuge, we're building this technology, but we're also hoping to become one of those uh, entities that can sort of help run this network and build this network. And for that, as people start to uh, use this token more, we can actually uh, sort of sell some of the token we own and we can um, use, get paid by the protocol for providing these services. Okay, interesting. So did you guys bootstrap the company or did you raise some money or walk us through that? Yeah, we have, um, we definitely have not bootstrapped this company. Um, this is, I think, the big challenge with uh, crypto projects. It's just, it's still a very early technology and it takes a lot of uh, effort to bring uh, to to ramp up. Uh, we've raised uh, by now about thirteen million dollars in in funding from wow. a set of different uh, different investors in uh, in this space. We're actually very happy to have uh, have them on board as they've been very helpful in sort of uh, figuring out. Uh, our product helping us grow, sort of navigate this ecosystem that is still very new. Um, and yeah, I'm super grateful for, for that support that we've gotten so far. No, very cool. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on where do you think the space is going to go? Because in my opinion, I, obviously I think everywhere is going to adopt it. I think it's going to be easier in certain countries where maybe not everybody has a, a bank account or their banking system isn't um, as kind of integrated into, you know, everybody's daily life. Like in certain countries, like some people just don't really have a bank account where, or maybe they don't want to have a bank account in their country's currency because it's not worth very much, but having, um, basically like a global currency that you can buy and sell things worldwide. And it's the same amount, no matter where you are in the world, I think is really powerful, but where do you see crypto going? Do you think it's going to replace traditional money? Is it going to live side by side or, or what are your thoughts or maybe some predictions for the future? I'm not, I, I don't, I think, I think ultimately it will replace the payment rails we have today. I don't think that maybe every bank <clears throat> is going to disappear because we still need interfaces and ways for users to interact with this technology that is very complicated. But if I think of um, 
in the past you had the postal service uh, literally ship money around to different country companies right and right that's that's only that's, that was the only way um to actually move money across state lines um or move money from one bank to another in um then sort of came checks and, and wire transfers and now we can use apple pay and square and venmo and paypal and so it's gotten a lot easier but sort of all of this infrastructure uh is is uh, has been run by either the government or centralized entities and i think that's what ultimately will be replaced by crypto i think crypto will become sort of this back-end banking layer that is not owned by anyone that allows you to settle transactions with whoever you want and is truly an open network and, and actually in a very similar way to what the internet did right uh, instead of having your net your your uh, phone network sort of allow you to call whoever, people um the internet was actually an open network that anyone could join and sort of was growing growing gradually from university to university and then whoever wanted to connect to it and is used now to settle all sorts of transactions interesting no i, I agree with you I, I think it's it we're in such an early stage of this um so for people that maybe haven't invested in crypto or built anything in crypto what advice do you give to them either on the buying side well and the development side to maybe just get started because it's a lot easier than it was even i would say a year ago do you agree with that yeah i think so there are um there are many more ways to get into crypto I think there's sort of two sides to to crypto, and I I always focus on on one side, which is well, there's the the speculation and the trading, but then there's also just the like ecosystem of projects that are building stuff and trying to build this technology. If you, um, I think that crypto has been extremely volatile and will remain to be so until it becomes more mature. And so, like my advice to people is to uh, invest. <laughs> don't invest with money that you can't afford to lose because uh, we haven't seen our last uh, bubble pop. Um, and just start slowly by actually reading about the projects and understanding them. I think it's very easy, like a lot of all of these projects want to have an open community and, and sort of open their product up to people that want to use it and, and want to interact with it. And when I say use it, it's not just, you're not just a customer a user that Facebook has or a user that Apple has, but you're actually, you can contribute to what they're building and you can contribute to their community, helping them make decisions, figure out where to go. And so I would start looking at some of these and, and sort of see where you can help out and what you can understand. Um, this ecosystem is very transparent and sort of open towards people. And so that's, that's what I would do. And then get a wallet for, uh, for Ethereum, uh, get a wallet for, Start, start looking at what we're doing at Centrifuge, um, sort of playing around with DeFi and, uh, and looking at sort of how all this works and slowly build out your knowledge of it. Uh, but uh, um, this is, of course, still extremely early. So um, I think you'll have to have a bit, of, uh, a bit of motivation to get over the first hurdles. But uh, once you've figured that out, I think it's uh, really cool technology that you can start using that will open up a completely new world for you sure well and even just on the buying side it's gotten so much easier now like there's basically apps yeah. that handle all the 
manual stuff that you would have to do before to set up a wallet. You basically now just create an account and they kind of handle everything for you. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of Very good ones. I, I like Dharma a lot, for example. They make it really easy to start earning interest on just US dollar stable coins, uh, giving you uh, a yield on on uh, on your money and you just use Apple Pay to fund it or, or your credit card. Yeah, very cool. Well, we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with where people can get more information about Centrifuge and uh, actually try it out? And uh, if they're a developer, where they can go and get documentation? Yeah, so um, to try it out, yeah, you, Centrifuge sort of has a, our primary application is called Tinlake, T-I-N-L-A-K-E. Um, so the front end for that is you can go to tinlake.centrifuge.io. Uh, where you're um, able to see sort of these pools, invest in pools, uh, look at them and, and start interacting with it. Uh, on centrifuge.io, the website, we have a few, a bit more of information. Um, if you're new to all of this, I would encourage you to join the Telegram channel and, and, uh, or, or join our Discord server, which is a, a way to chat in the community and start learning more there. Very cool. I, I think the other thing too, um, with my experience with any of the kind of crypto communities is people are very open to help and they're passionate about this stuff. And it might sound intimidating, but it's not as intimidating as you probably think, especially when you actually get involved and you start learning uh, a little bit by a little bit of this stuff. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to uh, keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Yeah, I hope this was a, a, a learning, a good learning experience, and I was able to share a bit about this this uh, crazy new world. No, it was very good. Um, all right, man. Well, we'll talk soon. Have a good rest of your day, and uh, have a good one. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.